Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ravenda with Mingle Zone Network Radio here to bring you our weekly Saturday networking show where we bring people together with resources and opportunities. And today we will do that by sharing some information for those of you who are still trying to find out what it is that you can do to improve your lifestyle, to enhance your career, or to create an alternate business for yourself. There are a lot of things that you can do out there, but today we're going to discuss how to make your own story a success for yourself. Today's guests are a few authors and publishers that we will be bringing along to give you information on how they were able to start with their own business by writing about their own personal experiences or using their own creative uh, aptitudes to bring you a really enjoyable uh, literary uh, books, ebooks, poetry, and everything else they've been able to accomplish to help people out. Uh, b- before we begin, we had a, a show uh, we did on music artists, and we were able to get uh, Miss Makita Allen to come onto the show. And I uh, just wanted to go over a few things that Mingle Zone Network does. If you are a music artist and you have an interest in getting connected to the industry and you don't have management, you're undersigned, um, and you, you know, you're looking for someone to help you, you can come to Mingle Zone Network. Our website is www.minglezonenetwork.ning.com. And once you join in the chat room, we'll continue to post that information for you so that you'll be able to uh, connect with us so that we can help you with getting out there. Um, Our other website is actually www.streetscribes.ning.com. That is where you can put your music profile. And uh, we have a lot of uh, connections within the industry that can assist you and wherever you're located. We'll be happy to promote your music. We'll be happy to promote you as an artist. So please be sure to connect with us and get that information and let us allow you to get your voice heard. If you are a business and you have a small business that you'd like to promote online, please also take advantage of our free advertisement also on our minglezonenetwork.ning.com website. You can also post your blogs there as well as start up a group discussing your business. And you can also uh, share with other business members uh, who are doing their own business uh, opportunities. And you can work together and network because it's all about networking. And if you are a woman who likes to look into a place to find different uh, topics about women's issues, you want to also go to our sister site, Women Who Dare to Dream, the address for that is www.wwdd08.ning.com. That is for women who dare to dream. There are topics for women, although men are also invited to join in and they have some positive information to share with the women members on the site. You can also put your um, business that pertains to women as well on that site and any other issues or, or things that you would like to discuss as well as meet a lot of interesting people. Now, our first guest is Mr. John R. Williams, 
And John is a very, very talented writer, um, hailing from Chicago. And we're going to have him come in and talk with us about how he was able to get started on his uh, literary journey and experiences that put him into that direction. So I want to welcome today to the show Mr. John Williams. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, thank you so much. I'm so humbled just by you taking the time out your busy day to talk with little old me. It, it really does mean a lot. And I want to say to all the listeners, thanks for listening and supporting something positive. Um, this is the only way to keep things out that we want to hear on the air, so I just want to say that first. But, yeah, I am from Chicago, born and raised. I love that place. Just like uh, some of the comedians say, you can find anything you want there. It's a beautiful, ugly, sexy, dirty, nasty, freaky, beautiful place, and I would never change anything about it. had a lot to do with how I came to be who I am as a man. Absolutely. Well, I was, I'm very happy and honored to have you here uh, because, what uh, you know, we don't hear a lot of is the the you know the the opinions of the male part of our uh, author uh, um, you know community. We don't hear a lot from you guys, and and we would really like to see that men communicate more through writing, so that they'd be able to you know share with women some topics that you know they, they may be having a trouble saying face to face. <laughs> You're right. Keep me, keep me real. Right. <laughs> right, let's let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, keep it honest. Keep it real. Because the thing is, you know, out of every ten books that come out, out of every ten novels, I would say maybe one or two come from a man. And out of those, maybe only one of those is really is really good. And it just has to say something about the industry. You know, for so long we didn't put a lot of value on writing and reading and. You know, whenever you saw a guy, he was always out playing a sport or messing with his car in the garage. You know, I was fortunate enough to have some male figures in my life that were, you know, into, you know, they are very studious and they kept us around and they kept themselves uh, abreast of different current events. And it was always a newspaper on the table and magazines on the, you know, on the nightstand. And we always had books that we would go get from the library. And so, I mean, I had, a lot of that had to do with um, how I was raised, but I would agree with you. You know, you guys are in the dark as ladies and women and professionals, and um, what better way than to, to let y'all in on, on uh, what really makes us tick than through, through something that can leave a legacy like words. You know, after I'm long gone, that thought or that emotion or that, you know, th- those words are going to stay there. That book can be found anywhere now. Even when I'm 40, 50, 70, 80 years old, and I think that we have an amazing opportunity as men, especially with the president kind of stepping the game up for us. We all um, have to do something special. And this is my way of doing one part of that is through writing. Yeah, that is that is totally correct because, uh, you know, if we don't communicate one way or the other, we'll never really know much about each other. And that's why it's very good that gentlemen like yourself are out there, you know, still doing your thing and, and trying to get that message across. So, uh, you know, let, let's talk about, you know, what started you in, in that direction of communicating in, in that, such a public sense. Uh, you know, how did you get started in your in your books? Well, for me, it was always, you know, I never knew what it was about storytelling 
that I love so much. You know, as a young child, I used to use stories um, to cheer my mother up after she worked, you know, a double shift at the hospital. You know, I come from a single-parent home. My father was murdered um, six months before I was born. I'm the oldest of three boys. We had it very, very rough growing up. You know, I know every kind of bean, you know, beans and rice that you have. We, I know, I don't forget what cornbread tastes like or what it means to have to share. Or you can't get the good cereal. You got to get what we can afford. So you make it good by adding some sugar or some bananas, and God make a game out of it. So I, I come from very humble beginnings where we didn't have much at all. And so the things that were free in life, you know, the things that you couldn't buy, like hope and faith and love and laughter, is what I really use. Uh, at a very early age to to tell stories. And my mother used to look forward to it. She'd be working at the hospital, and she'd get off, and it'd be 11 o'clock at night, and there I am waiting for her. And I came up with some crazy story um, that was truly unbelievable, but I told it in a believable way. So it really started there. I cultivated it over time, you know, by writing in a journal. I kept track of some of my successes, my failures. I kept track of, like, events that I thought were going to be significant in my life and other people's lives. And uh, it wasn't really a diary, per se, but it was just, you know, I kept a journal with these things. Then I started with a little bit of poetry just to have an outlet and a way to vent. It was very difficult growing up in the inner city. You know, if you wasn't getting shot at and stole on, you... You know, you didn't have good clothes or you didn't have enough to eat or you didn't have a nice furniture. You always had to have second-hand stuff in the beginnings. It wasn't until I got, I became a teenager that I really was able to kind of come into my own. You know, I started writing for the school newspaper. Um, I didn't like how that put me in a box. So, um, you know, I told jokes in between classes. And <laughs> and I, I never knew what it was about. Um, the, the story, I don't think it really was writing, but I really had an intense love for storytelling, and I used to use a myriad of different avenues to do that. I was I was class clown running up in high school. When I when I got into college, you know, I, I continued to, to write in little columns, and I'll do, you know, little pieces here and there. But I really got serious about writing when I became an adult, you know, um, the significant turning point was that me and my, my my friends, my best friend, we had taken our first guy's trip. You know, every guy aspires to do this. You know, y'all sit there out there in Radio Land and act like y'all, you know, y'all ain't trying to put that guy's trip or that girl's road trip together. And so we had planned one, and we finally got together and we went to Las Vegas. And on our last night there, we were sitting poolside at one of the most expensive hotels you know, just to say we did it. You know, we had some champagne, we were talking about life, and then they said, man, you know, with all those stories that you used to tell, I bet you would become an amazing author. And I said, you know, I think I would be a pretty good writer. And so my best friend, he challenged me. He, he actually dared me to, to write a novel. And uh, I'm, I'm the type that, you know, I, I step up to the, I rise to the occasion, and that was the best thing he could have did because it motivated me to put out a work. And it was at that point where it was the training point where I said, okay, let me learn how to do this. Because I got no formal training other than reading, you know, books by authors that I really admire, going to the library, picking up books about theory. I never learned, like, I never went to college for this. It's something that I was very passionate about. But it was, wasn't until I was an adult 
um, back in I think oh three or oh two or oh three that it got serious and I actually put out my first project. Oh wow! So you had you know the beginning of a really interesting journey and and it looks like you 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 were pretty uh, on point for the first product that you produced. So do you want to tell us more about your book that you have out now, um, the reunion? And uh, we'll also be advertising it for you along the way. So just give us some more insight on what it's about. Yeah, um, The Reunion is actually my first uh, novel that a major publishing house has released. I had other books um, before this that I self-published, but this was the first one that was like a really big deal because I got that acceptance and that, you know, um, the kind of uh, respect that I was looking for as a as a professional. Um, the name of the book is The Reunion, and it focuses on a main character that everybody everybody knows. Um, his name is Sean Giles. He was, um, like most guys, he was pretty popular in high school. He went to high school in Chicago on the south side. He had a gifted writing ability, much like myself, um, common sense, a lot of loyalty. You know, he made some good friendships that, that were really strong. Uh, he had a good time. You know, he was one of those people that, you know, when they look back, they didn't have no regrets. They did it all. They took mama's car. They, you know, they went to prom. They hung out. They, they came back late for curfew. He was a good dude, you know. But after graduating, he moved uh, to Dallas, Texas, so that he can attend college and pursue his dream. You know, what he really wants to do is, is write and direct stage plays. So, you know, when he's in college, he meets, he meets this girl. Um, she is a pistol. Oh, my God. She is um, a sexy graduate student. Her name is Eva, and Eva Sparks, as a matter of fact. And they hit it off right away. I mean, they start dating. Things start out fine, but it goes a little faster than he, he kind of wants it to. Um, before you know it, um, they're a full-fledged couple, and she is just more than he can handle. She's a hot mess, to be honest with you. Uh, insecure, controlling, possessive, uh, insanely jealous, the type of woman that, you know, she'll she key up your car, you know, and, I mean, she she's a far cry from his true love that he, he knew back in high school. But nonetheless, he's involved in this relationship now, and it's not really healthy. You know, not a day passes that he doesn't go back and think, man, you know, this is, I can't deal with this. This is crazy. My life wouldn't be like this if I had, you know, maybe fix things up with, with Jay. So, you know, now he's a college graduate. He has received $100,000 to produce his first major stage play. So he's riding on his high. And between his career and his problems with his girlfriend, you know, things are kind of crazy. You know, he, he needs uh, some kind of a break. Uh, and at the height of his dilemma, just when he thinks he's going to crack up, he gets an uh, invitation in the mail to attend his 10-year high school class reunion. Now, we all have been there, too. We know what it was like uh, in high school, and some of us have got to that season age where we get, you know, we get that invitation and we have an opportunity to go reconnect. So for Sean, this is, this is great news. Um, although things is just really hectic, Sean knows he has to attend. You know, he, this break couldn't have come at a better time, and, and the way things is going in his life, it would be the highlight of his summer. So he goes back to Chicago, and he knows that when he does that, it's going to bring back all the memories. He may even run into his girlfriend, his old girlfriend, Jay. But what he does not know is that Eva, you know, she's not going to go down without a fight. <laughs> she, she actually is going to follow him to Chicago, and she is trying to sabotage every aspect of his trip from start to finish. 
Um, you know, she is going to go through one of the most weirdest fits of jealousy and rage that you ever probably read on paper. And this woman is so much like the women that you guys talk about in the beauty shops and guys talk about at the barber shops and say, man, this woman's crazy. I mean, the book is filled with a whole lot of drama. It has a lot of eroticism because, you know, i got to give you a little bit of that. Um, certainly have different comedic aspects, so it's a pretty funny book. And it's not going to disappoint because it's a page turn and it has a story that everybody can identify with. It's called The Reunion. Um, it released on Valentine's Day. And, I mean, books have really have been just flying off the shelves. I can't keep them stocked up in my own library. I have to send people to the store to get them. They can't even get them for me no more because I'm running out. So I'm really excited about the project. I really, really am. Now, that does sound very interesting. I, I believe um, we need to get more stories like that out there. There seems to be, you know, directed from real life. It's almost like a movie, but you're just right there, you know, <laughs> watching it in real life when you read the book because you can, you can kind of relate to a lot of those experiences. I know I have. And uh, it's not the part with the keys, though. No. <laughs> I used the bat, so. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. But that was a long, long, long time ago. You know, usually when you're very young, you know, you, you're not really in that much control over your emotions. So when you get into romantic situations where, you know, you have those type of things happening, like you're, you're remembering when you were like a teenager and somebody, you know, pulled your hair or, or, or took something of yours and you just went to a fight because you're, you know, a teenager, tomboy. Yeah, it was going to go down. You get rid of that sometimes when you're like in the 20s, you know. And somewhere down the line, you become an, an adult, and you start thinking about doing things as an adult, and not, you know, the straight first thing you want to do is beat somebody down or or tear up their property. And you know, you, nowadays you have to start thinking ahead of what the outcome would be if you do something like that. So, <laughs> and um, what I like you to do is tell us a little bit more about some of the other projects that you have, because I know you're not just working on this one, and you have so many things to do. I'm, I'm really proud that, you know, a man like yourself is out there giving back to the community. And um, you're doing a lot of stuff in Chicago, so tell us about it. Well, I appreciate that, you know, and as much as I would love to just take all that kudos and put it in my pocket, you know, I gotta I gotta make sure that everybody knows that really I'm I'm such a regular guy. You know, I like sports. I like watching the game. I like uh, hoagies and sandwiches. You know, I like sitting back having a, a, a shot of that brown every now and again. That brown liquor. You know, I hang out with the fellas. I make mistakes. I really am a guy's guy, but I just happen to have this amazing ability to tell stories and. And I understand this, I have to do something special with it. Um, you know, the first book that I ever published, it wasn't even a novel. Can you believe that? It was actually, it was the children's book. It was the first um, short story and coding book that was published from an African-American male author. And it was called Daddy and Me. It was a tribute to my son. You know, coming up poor, it was a lot that I had to do in order to make ends meet. And I wanted to make a way so that when it was time for my son to, you know, go to college or, you know, if it was something that he needed money for in the future, that I'll take those steps now. You know, half of the proceeds from the sale of this particular book, they go towards his college education. I've set up a fund. But, I mean, the book was from his mouth to God's ears. 
it was a book about a, a little boy named Trey, <laughs> that's my son's name, um, who loves his daddy. And the whole book is where me and him took a summer, and we actually, um, I, I drew these weird-looking pictures that I'm not, I'm not an artist, not by not by the closest, uh, um, anything imaginable. <laughs> but I asked him, you know, what are the things you like about your daddy? And he would say little things like, you know, you wear nice clothes when you go to work, or you look, you're very strong, daddy, or you, you make sure that the monsters are outside of my closet, uh, or, or you make great food, or, you know, I like it when you watch the game. And so I took all those things that he told me over time, and page by page I would have, you know, page one, I love my daddy, and then I would have a picture of me um, hugging him that I drew. And, you know, the whole book is just a dedication to the bond between father and son because a lot of times you don't see that in the media. All you see is he owes this much child support, you know, he is not the father, you know, all that kind of foolishness. And, you know, guys don't want to be around their own seeds. And so it was partly for my soul. Then it helped me learn how to get into the publishing industry. I learned what it took to actually make a book, you know, make the cover, make how much the price of that, and, I, and it was something that was good. So that was my first book. It's called Daddy and Me, and it's available at all major retailers. Uh, I'm going to put that in the chat room for you so you can check it out. But I self-published that book, and um, uh, and that's what really helped me learn how to really break into this uh, industry. Then after that, um, my second book, I, the first real novel was the book that my friend dared me to write. It was a co-written book that I wrote with him. His name is Britt E. Burwell, and um, it's called CELL. It's an acronym. It stands for City Folk Electronically Living Life, The Secrets That We Hide in Our Cell Phones. And, I mean, the title alone, it, it, it made a lot of people nervous when it came out, like, oh, my God, what kind of stuff am I going to read about in this book? <laughs> But, I mean, you know, the cell phone is like the new windows to the soul. I mean, how many times have you lost your cell phone and you feel like you was going to freak out because it got all your numbers in there, all your email addresses. It has, uh, you know, you can get on the Internet with it nowadays. You can get voice messages. So people really feel attached to their phones. I mean, we used to have sky pages and you used to have a beeper. You know, somebody beeped you, you got to call them back. You know, you couldn't get on the Internet with no beeper. You would look crazy trying to do that. But the book really, <laughs> the book focused on three best friends that were all living and working and playing in a major city, and they all were going through something different in their life. Um, one guy was married, and he was trying to stay married, but, you know, it seemed like he was going to end up in divorce. Um, another guy, he was courting and dating this one young lady for a long time, and he was trying to make a decision on whether or not he was going to commit to her. And then the other guy was just a downright player. He didn't want to get married even if money was attached to it. Couldn't nobody make him get married. He was, a, he was a player to the day he died. And they were all best friends, and so they were telling stories about their lives, and they, they would also refer to how cell phones impacted them. You know, one guy said, man, I got caught up on my cell phone. I left it open. She called all my friends. And, you know, one man said that he found out his wife was cheating on him through the cell phone because she had got a text message. And the text message led him to a hotel. And then another guy, he said that he lost his cell phone and ended up almost breaking up with his future wife. You know, so it's a great story. It was a wonderful first effort because it was, it was a short, sweet novel that really um, got right to the point. It was edgy writing. 
people read it and was like, you know, I could tell a man wrote this book. It ain't nothing sweet about it, but it was uh, it was enough to keep people's attention. So those were my first two projects. Wow, that story sounds something like um, like a, a movie that was out recently. Um, can't remember the title. It had um, Shia LaBeouf in it. Oh um, uh, yeah, you're talking about Eagle Eye. Yeah, Eagle Eye. Um, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that and the movie Enemy of the State with Will Smith um, because, you know, they're, they're, a lot of people don't touch on those things because, well, for one thing, the government won't let us know everything about it. <laughs> and for another thing, you know, is you're afraid to kind of make a big deal out of it because then that draws attention on yourself, and then that next thing you know, their big brother be watching you. Yeah, you gotta be careful. I mean, the thing is, technology plays such a big part in our life, and we thought that was a a niche, you know, where you know not everybody was writing about that. It wasn't really like a manual; it was more of a story. But it had, you know, at the end of each chapter, it had actually like like messages that you could read in a message format. You could see text messages. It was a cool book that I that we put out. It's still selling. You know, it was a good book for people that was between you know twenty one and thirty. That that kind of crowd liked that book. Um, so that was the first novel. And then after that, um, I said, well, you know what, man, as much as I'm going to keep writing books with you, I really need to, you know, spread my wings and I, I need to step out and see if this is something that I can do on my own. And so that's what led to the book that got me probably the most acclaim up until this point. Oh, my God, this this book is uh, it's about a sex addict. Let me just say that off the top so you know what you're dealing with. <laughs> but um, the book, <laughs> my I know. I still get emails even now. Um, was any of that stuff true? Is you know, but um, the the first independent novel that I ever written all by myself and published, self published, was called um, What Could Have Been: The Saint, The Sinner, and The Attempt. Again, it's What Could Have Been: The Saint, The Sinner, and The Attempt. And these books are all available on Barnes and Noble and Borders, as well as Target. You can get it from Books a Million. The very best way is to visit my website, though, and get them. Um, I'm going to post it in the chat room if I haven't already. But i got a really easy website to remember. It's www.theauthor.us, www.theauthor.us. And I'll put that in the chat room for those that are, happen to be there. But, um, oh, I this really book, appreciate that. Hey, no problem. This book right here, oh, my God. It's about this guy. His name is Brooklyn Price, and he has the total package. I mean, he he's a good-looking guy. Chiseled physique, he built just like women like amazing personality. He got a lot of charisma, got a swag at a one thousand. He just, I mean, he got everything that he needs. But despite all of this, he still can't seem to be right by women. He can't. I mean, he has had women all shapes and sizes: black girls, white girls, Asian girls, Hispanic girls, young girls, old girls. But he never could find the one that he could end up settling down with. And so for a long time he thinks it's him, but then he, he realizes it may not be. It may be the woman he's choosing. So he has this conflict that he's going through. And, I mean, chapter after chapter, he goes on these different sexcapades. I mean, he I mean from being in a subway station at, at the end of the line to he's uh, on a rooftop in a New York loft. I mean, it's just it is really sexy writing. It's eroticism at its best. It's like a male zane because I don't really pull punches. And it's not nasty, but it's very sensual, and it does, it does a good job of keeping people's attention. It's, it's, it's overly descriptive. Where you, you feel like you're in the room there waiting, watching them. 
And um, that was actually the book that led to my first publishing deal because that's the one I sent out to all the different places. And um, I got someone back that was uh, interested in, in taking me on as an author. So I'm most pleased with that one up until this point. And it's called What Could Have Been, The Saint, The Sinner, and The Attempt. And it's about Brooklyn Price, uh, a sex addict. So <laughs> if, that, if that helps. <laughs> I think there's a lot of those out there, so they could really appreciate having a book about them. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I was I listened in on a uh, another show that had a lot of um, uh, spoken word, but it was erotic spoken word, and it, it seems like a, a lot of people really, really into it like that and just calling in out of the blue. So you know that type of material is is very interesting to a lot of people who may not be able to see that type of information on the general market, but you know, if we know that we can always find it, and and you know the the bookstores that are now starting to open up to have our our you know erotic fiction and and our really you know sensual stories, and it's a good thing. Now, when it came to publishing, you know, how did you get approached by or or approach your actual publisher? How did you get started with that? Well, um, with me, I'm real big into doing a lot of research. You know, I like to get all my you know, ducks in a row, as the old folks say. So, you know, I come from an industry, part of what I do during the daytime, like my regular job is, is in sales. I'm a sales executive. I've been doing that for um, upwards of 10, 10 years now. And so I'm really familiar with processes and how to do a pitch and that whole sales that whole sales process. So it was really kind of unfair advantage that I had because when I went to these publishers, I was equipped. I was ready to sell them on me, you know. So I, I figured out all the things I had going for myself, you know. Like I was young, you know. At the time, I wasn't even thirty, you know. I, you know, I'm a pretty handsome guy. I think I am, you know. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I, if I put my face on the back of it, but people won't say, "Oh, look at that," you know. They won't, they won't do that. But uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly hungry. This is something I enjoy doing, and I'm very good at it. So I had an unfair advantage. Uh, and I, what I did is I went to the library and I pulled up all the books about how to write query letters because the query letter is critical. And I said, first, maybe I think I need to get an agent. So I, I thought about, you know, approaching agents to try to champion the issue for me. And I didn't have a lot of success with that. I couldn't find an agent that was willing and cared about it as much as I did. So I stopped sending letters to the agents, and um, I said, you know what, I need to do this myself. I mean, I'm in the sales. I can I can sell uh, ice water in hell if I need to. I can sell a feather to a bird if I have to. So why can't I sell myself for something that I really want to do? You know what I'm saying? So what I tried right. to do was uh, I built a pitch up, and I figured out, you know, what all the greats did to get their deal, you know, like, like Zane and Eric Jerome Dickey and, um, you know, uh, just a number of these authors, you know, what did Boone do? Not just black people, too. What did Terry Woods do? What did Sister Soldier do? And um, after I researched that, I was able to put together a pitch, and I practiced it, and I rehearsed it like I was trying to make a sell at work. And um, I ended up sending out, I would say, about four to 500 different packages and letters to people. And um, nobody said yes. <laughs> But I kept writing. I kept working on my um, material, and I didn't give up. It was something that I, you know, because I had a day job, I could afford to 
to keep doing this and not make money from it right away. And then um, I started looking up, you know, some of these new new publishers. And that's when I found my publishing company. It's called Express Yourself Publishing. I think I'm going to throw it in the chat room real quick because they are amazing. Express Yourself Publishing was founded by a, a young lady by the name of Jessica Tillis. And much like me, she went out to all these different um, publishing houses and said, hey, I've written five books. I've written three books by myself. You know, I want you guys to, to put me on. I want you all to get me out there so I can, you know, put this this magical work out. And they would all tell her no. They would say, you don't have what it takes, or we're not willing to take a chance on an African-American author, or, or you're a woman and you can't do it, or you can't write as good as a man, and all these crazy things. And so she said, you know what, forget it. I'm going to quit my job, and I'm getting ready to start my own publishing company. They're based out of Maryland, like by the Baltimore and D.C. area. She started out just with her, another artist. It was almost like the movie Brown Sugar. She started out, treated them like partners. They were, they were putting out really good books, and then one author grew to three, and then she had bestseller status, and then it grew to five and ten. And by the time she had ten authors, I, I wanted to be number 11. And I said, you know what, I don't care what I got to do. If I got to hop on the plane, I need you to pick this book up. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to learn. You know, and I just really loved her to death every every weekend for about a month. And then finally, finally she said, okay, you know what, You, I see right now you ain't going to go away. And I said, nope, I sure ain't going to go away. She said, you know, send me what you got and call me at this particular time. And we're going to talk about it. She said, because I want to hear your business plan. And I was like, sure, sure, I got a business plan. I'm ready. I had a business plan the first. I had nothing. But I but I, I sent her what I had. And then just like I promised, I called her at the time. She asked me to. And we spent, I think, about an hour, hour and a half on the phone. And after that, she, she was sold on my ability to be serious about this. Because for her, she doesn't have no day job. This is what she does for a living. So she needs people that are going to be serious about it and that are dedicated, that know how to take failure and feedback and that's willing to learn even if they're older, you know, and I'm really, really blessed to have found an opportunity to work with her. I even, cause I could call her right now and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be on this radio show. I need you to make sure that I don't say nothing stupid. Could you give me some pointers? And she'll be right there in my corner like that. So, I mean, that's, that's really how my journey became to be what it is. Um, and then, you know, she asked me, yeah, I want to put out a new book, and I said, yeah. She asked me about the premise, and she fell in love with the idea of a guy going back to the 10-year high school class reunion and having a crazy girlfriend who was a stalker, and she really loved that idea, and she said that it was a book that needed to be told from a male point of view and that it was something that was long overdue. And um, I was, you know, I think I'm only one of like three or four males on the label right now um, period. Uh, I want to say it's about twenty authors. So I'm, I'm just really happy and blessed, and that's my journey from the point where I was just writing stories in a journal to now. I'm in every major bookstore. I'm having events all over the country. You know, I'm able to give back to the community and to Chicago and the projects that where we grew up at. It's just an amazing feeling, and I'm so humbled just by having the opportunity to do that. Wow, that's an amazing experience to have, and and it was good that you were really persistent in that because if you if you just take somebody's first rejection, you know you can easily just end your entire career yourself because you you didn't have enough faith in yourself. You can't just listen to that one person. There's 
hundreds and hundreds of publishers and, you know, other people and other, you know, uh, opportunities to help you get your story out there. And uh, we're going to discuss that later in different, you know, options that you may have in case you do find yourself against the wall with the publishers in your area. And uh, we'll talk with a couple of publishers that can give us, you know, some processes to follow through with in order to get more successful in what you want to do. And, uh, John, I really um, am so happy that you came to join us today to talk about, you know, your your experiences and your projects. Do you have anything that you have coming up, any other non-literary uh, projects you want to talk about? Because, like, you have some things going on in your um, website as well. Um, and I do believe we talked to something about music and uh, something like that. So you want to kind of oh, yeah, get into that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm... I'm Aside from being just a writer, I just I believe in the creative arts altogether. I mean, throughout my life, the creative arts have helped me cope, helped me um, see life differently through a different set of lenses. And I've always been fascinated with every aspect of art. You know, painters, uh, artists, poets. I love having individuals that can sing. And you know, I was a music major coming up, and I played four instruments. And I love that kind of creative in nature type of thing. I even like people who have creative jobs and they do things that are a little bit different and off the cuff. You know, they may not go to the office every day and log in and, and take phone calls or, you know, maybe they do something a little different, you know, that's off the beaten path. And so what I've tried to do is create an outlet for individuals that are like that. And um, part of what I do uh, is I have a, a, a radio show. It comes on blog talk radio as well. And it airs on the weekends from 3 to 4 and from 4 to 5, just depending on what kind of guests I have. It's called Creative Soul. Um, you know, www.blogtalkradio.com slash creative soul. And when you, when you go there, you, you know, we feature creativity in all forms, whether, you know, you are that artist or you are that painter or that singer Hello? or that rapper. Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you. I was okay, on. yeah. Okay, I was making sure, yeah, so, yeah, every every weekend for an hour, I showcase a different, you know, type of talent, and they have a full hour to kind of tell us about what they do, why they like to do it, if it's a musician, then they get a chance to play their music, if it's a poet, they get to do their spoken word, I even had a belly dancer on there, and I mean, that was one of my most interesting shows, okay, and now, what made you want to become a belly dancer, and where can I go get my wife a class, you know, how much is it going, can I prepay for that right now or something, you know. I've had um, pharmacy, pharmacy technicians, and so the show is Creative Soul, and it's just a way for me to give back to folks that are just starting out pretty much like I was a few years ago. So I have that, and then um, I'm really big in the literacy as well. You know, as a man, as an African-American man, you know, I need to make sure that, um that it's still cool to read books. It used to be a time during the Harlem Renaissance and back in the 30s and 20s when if you had books, man, it was cool. It was like you was the, you was that dude. Like, man, he's got some of Frederick Douglass' works. He's got, you know, some Ella Fitzgerald. He's got some, some music. I mean, he's got Oscar Peterson, Louis Armstrong. It, it says something about who you were as a man. So what I've been doing is I've been working with Dallas Public Library and the Chicago Public Library System, and I've had uh, events where I'll just go there pretty much like I'm doing today. I'll read some excerpts from my book, tell them about how I got, you know, started, and then also 
um, give them an opportunity. Hey, you know, let me help you with your book. What, what do you need to do? You know, let me show you how you can get it in print. And this is where you, where you start. So, I mean, those are some of the things that I do uh, aside from just writing. And naturally, as an author, you know, you got your events. I mean, um, I'm on a book tour right now. Um, I stopped in Dallas first because that's where I'm at now. And I had an a amazing event um, at this restaurant bar called Miko Tina. And, man, they got some off the chain food. I mean, I ain't never had nachos that was ground right there in the restaurant. You know, they had great salsa. I rented out a space. I had a bunch of family, friends, and fans there. And so um, then the next stop was um, Chicago, my hometown. I had a really big party that was at one of the hottest clubs in Chicago. And we just, I mean, for $20, you got a copy of the book. You got unlimited drinks um, all night. So you can imagine what kind of kind of fun we had there. <laughs> and then, uh and then, like, now I've been doing, I've been devoted April to a lot of these radio shows. I appeared um, on the FM radio, um, WP88.7. They have a, a show that's dedicated to, to you know, authors and literary stuff. And I've done the yeah, promotions. Uh, I've also done uh, the Casey Girlfriends Book Club radio show. So all April I'm going to be doing a lot of radio just to get people, you know, get myself out there, let them know what I'm doing and how they can get my book. And then in May, that's when I'm really going to hit a full swing. I'm going to ATL, Georgia, uh, Atlanta, as a part of a, um, the Books, Beauty, and Banter Breakfast. And, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff going on. The best way to keep up with me is via my website. I'll give it to you again. It's www.theauthor.us. That's www.theauthor.us. You can find out all about me. Well, thank you so much, John, and um, we appreciate you being here, and I hope that you will come back again and, you know, have to wait for a project. You know, I'm happy to have you just hanging around, you know, just to tell us what's going on, give us some support with our new authors who don't, you know, know the next step to take. And thank you so much for being a part of the show today, and I hope that you do continue to stay on in the chat room and listen to our other guests. And uh, let me give you a, a round of applause for John Williams. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate that. I, I really do. And I just got to say this. First off, you're doing some amazing things with this show. I mean, you never know who this is going to touch and who this is going to inspire. And so, you mean, it's, it's much bigger than us. But, I mean, I really am thankful to be on the show. Oh. Um, no yeah, problem, I will really, really be in that chat room. Yeah, I'm going to be in the chat room. So I'm going to get it popping. We can, we can make the chat room R-rated. Um, we don't got to do G-rated in the chat room. So if y'all got questions or comments, now let, let me know. But I appreciate y'all picking the book up. If y'all got the book, I want y'all to write a review. Keep me off these streets. Keep me off these streets. Y'all ask this black man do something positive. Doing something positive, now go out and buy that book, man. Don't have me go and have to get out there and be hustling, man. Come on now, buy that book. Come off that 2000 Y'all can forfeit a manicure, forfeit a pedicure one good time. Book only fourteen ninety five. Go and get that book. Okay, I'm going to stop selling my book, but go and get that book. Go support your boys. All right, we got <laughs> you back. Thanks. All right, I'm, I'm going to drop you off the line now, John, and we're going to introduce our next guest, and you hang around in the chat room. Cool. Later.
Thank you so much, John, for uh, being a part of the show and once again. And um, we are happy to have had you give us that information. I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that could use that help as well as, um, you know, determine what to do because I'm sure there's a lot of men that are not going to really so much go to Zane and ask for her help about certain things, that t- topics that touch men's lives. So um, your help is going to give those guys an outlet to go to so that they can find a way to get started. Now, our next guest is Ms. Gail Johnson, and she's also an author, and she has done a lot of work, you know, in the literary world as well, and she's going to talk to us today about her projects, including a book called Past Forgotten, and um, I'm going to bring her on now. Gail, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. How are you? Hello? Yes, I hear you. How are you? I'm fine. I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm doing fantastic. So um, we're glad to have you today on the show um, to give uh, you know our listeners an opportunity to learn of different things they can do for success. You know, especially when we're going through an economic um, crisis right now. A lot of people they don't know anything but their nine to five, and they don't realize that there's a lot of things they can do with their own creative talents to help them be more successful. And uh, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, coming on the show to help us understand certain ways that we can actually go into our creative minds and, and you know, do something with it. So can you tell us a little bit about it, about yourself and what you do? Yes. Um, well, I'm an author, single mother, two adult children. I live in Capitol Heights, Maryland. And I wrote my first book, and it was published in February. Um, I've been writing since I was maybe about nine years old. And I did a short story when I was in boarding school. I think I was about 14. And my peers read it. They loved it. And I began to write poetry. And uh, a little later on, I started writing erotica. And I wrote a few short erotic stories for other friends to read. And they loved it. So, you know, people were telling me I should write a book. So in 2006 was when I had started my book. And I didn't really complete it until 2009 when it was published, February of this year. But what had happened, I had some, you know, little difficulties going on. And, um, you know, but those were all cleared up. And I finally got found a publisher uh, by uh, putting my book page on MySpace and um, got my book published. And I'm working on my second book. But uh, I love to write. And I also I love to read. So this is, um, you know, like I said, I started at an early age, you know, reading everything that I could get my hands on. I used to keep a little diary when I was maybe about nine years old, and I used to write journals and, you know, different things that I would do every day in my life. And, you know, when I uh, got a boyfriend, I wrote, you know, about that. You know, just writing things down and, you know, just reading. So that's what, um, you know, had got me into the writing thing. Okay, so you you took some personal experiences and that helped you be more creative as well. Yes, yes. So now, what was your next step? Um, well, after I um, figured out what I was going to do and what I was going to write about, I wrote it, and then I was, you know, you know, just writing, you know, to be writing. I had a friend who was reading, and she got so engrossed in the story, the one that I just wrote now was really what made me, you know, want to get it published, but I didn't have an idea how to go about it. I was going to self-publish, but 
once I found a publisher, it was best for me, you know, to have a publisher to do my work because self-publishing, I don't knock anybody for doing it or, you know, I I take my hat off to anybody who does self-publish their books, but myself, I just appreciate a publisher because it's almost like a one stop shopping thing. When you self-publish, you you have to get an editor, you have to do this, you have to do that, blah, 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 blah. I just wrote up my manuscript and submitted it to my publisher, and the rest, you know, is history. Wow. So now, um, tell us about the book that you have out. What was it that, you know, gave you the inspiration to write that book? Okay, what inspired me to write this book? Um, when I was, I used to live in the projects. Um, basically until I uh, was maybe about 16, I think, something like that when I moved out. But I used to live in the projects. And um, back in the mid-60s was when, um, you know, I was living in the projects. So many things was happening and things were so different back then. And, you know, all the fun we were having and, you know, the good things and the bad things and the friendships and things like that was going on. And I, um, I I was raped when I was 15, so it was more or less an outlet, you know, for me to get all that out, you know, to write, you know, to uh, write about it, but in a fictional form because, you know, some of the things in my books are based on facts, but, you know, it's, it's a fictional story. And uh, it was just, you know, like a release to get all those things out and then, you know, those memories that I had, you know, locked away and, you know, just wanting to write about it. So that's what had inspired me to basically write this book. Wow. So now, um, did you write other things besides that book at that time you were having those experiences? Um, yes, I wrote um, some some short erotic stories, and then I wrote some poetry, you know, just writing different things down, like little uh just the information, you know, when I would think about something, just writing it down, just keeping notes and, um, you know, basically keeping in contact with those memories with what I was doing. Now, let me ask you this. Um, when you decided that you wanted to write a book, did you did you do any type of uh, training, like a formal training for that or, or any kind of research to help you learn how to do the format to be able to create a good book? Well, that's that's. I'm glad you asked that. I had no clue, not a clue. That's why I said when I got my publisher, it was like a blessing, you know, because I've learned so much since writing my first book, you know, as far as the format. Because I just, you know, got on the computer and, you know, just began to type it out, just typing it out, no formatting or anything. And um, when I uh, had submitted it, to my publisher, you know, she had mentioned it to me about, well, I had, I think I had spoken to her about the format, and I told her it wasn't format or anything like that. So I went through that, and I um, had some help getting it formatted because, you know, like, when it was just like my first time ever, you know, doing that and getting it published because before when I wrote something, I just wrote it, and, you know, people just read it. It was just like that. But, uh, no, I didn't have a clue at first, but now since I wrote my first book, I've, you know, I've, I've come a long way. I've come a long way because, you know, uh, thanks, you know, to my publisher, she's very helpful and, you know, very understanding, very kind, and, you know, she just sort of like 
took me under wings and, you know, opened my eyes to a lot of things that I did not know, you know, and helped me to learn things that I do know now. So, uh, yeah, it's good that I do have my publisher. That's good. So now, do you have other books that you're working on right now that will be coming out? Yeah, I'm working on my second book. That will be out in December, uh, just before the winter of this year. And the title to that book is You May Get Lucky. The title of my first book is What's Past is Not Forgotten. Now, when you when you wrote that book, you said it, it kind of was based or inspired on certain certain experiences. Now, your second book, what experiences um, did you have that that gave you those those you know those uh, words in your head to start writing about? Okay, well, my second book is basically strictly fiction, and um, the difference I'm finding when you're writing strictly fiction, well, for me. It's a little more challenging as when you write about things that you know or, you know, an experience or something like that. This book is a little challenging to me, but I'm getting through it. And um, the reason why I wrote this book is uh, it's a dark story about a, a man, a young guy, who some things that happened to him in his life and um, caused him when he got older to release the demons that was, um, was, uh, you know, deep in his mind through his youth. And, you know, for years and years he had suppressed what had happened to him. And as he got older, you know, some things happened that triggered it off and, it, you know, the thing was released and he just goes on a little rampage of revenge. So that story, um, you know, is just something that's coming from my imagination. I've done a little research on it also, you know, so I could, you know, bring it full circle, but it's basically a fictional story. Okay. So now do you find that um, research helps you in coming up with additional ideas for what you want to write? Well, for this particular story, yes. This one, yes. But my first story, I I really knew what I wanted to write about. Everything was, you know, there. I really didn't have to do any research or anything about that one. Okay. Now, can you kind of help our listeners, those who might be contemplating becoming authors, um, get an idea of, you know, pretty much the process that you go through when you come up with an idea and what you want to do following that, you know, just set up what the, the, you know, step-by-step process was that you did that may help somebody else. Because a lot of people are still not connected to know exactly what to do when it comes to the actual writing. You know, just kind of give us an, a brief step-by-step process. Okay, well, what you want to do if you, um, well, what I did, I, be- I basically wrote little things down. When I would think of something, I would write it down. Or um, I had a recorder that I would record things too. But, you know, when you think of, you have an idea, it's best that you write it down at the time you think of it. And, you know, keep notes if, uh, you know, if that helped because it helped me to keep notes. And um, it's always good once you write something down to always reread it, reread it, reread it, reread it, because maybe things that you want to change in it or, you know, something may become different about it. Um, You know, you always have to be focused on what you want to write about. And don't ever let anybody tell you, you know, try to change up your stories for you. 
because if that's what you want to write about, that's what you want to write about. I had um, I had wrote a I had submitted a short story for a contest, and the guy had said something about I had taken the erotic. It was a short erotic story. He said I had taken the eroticism out of it because of something that I had put in there, but I felt that that was necessary to go in there because it was part of the story. And I didn't see where it took the eroticism out of it. And other people who had read it besides him said the same thing, that they didn't see where it had taken the eroticism out of it. So, you know, if, if that's what you feel, you write what you feel. You know, because one person, you know, you can't be judged by what one person said. You know, and... um you know, just stay focused. And if you're doing a story where you have to do research, do your research. Make sure you have your research right. And, you know, stick with it. And if you can write every day, do that. Write for a couple of hours or, you know, maybe do a couple of pages a day. But, you know, always stick with it. And I would say that you should have a notepad um, with you everywhere because a lot of times you could be going anywhere, doing anything, and then you might see something that inspires you for a topic or right. either for another excerpt in your book. Right. Um, because sometimes you just get that writer's block and you might just need to go drive around and just sit in the park or go to the mall or, you know, do whatever to, to connect you with other people, and then you'll be able to find some type of inspiration to help you move on to the next step. And, you know, what you were saying is perfect. I mean, that's exactly what you have to do. Now, who, who again, is your publisher? And can you tell us about how you were able to, you know, get a nice relationship with your publisher? Right. Well, my publisher is Chocolate Coffee Books, and um, it's C-H-A-K-L-E-T, Coffee Books. And it's an independent publishing company that's based out of New York. Um, how I found her was on the Internet, one of her um one of her authors who she published had introduced me to her. And, um, you know, I submitted, well, we had talked first, and I told her, you know, that I wanted to get my book published, blah, 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 blah. And we had talked and exchanged pleasantries, and um, then she set up everything for me to go through what I had to go through to get my book published. And she was with me step by step all the way through it to the end, as she's doing now with my book that I'm working on now. So um, I'm really grateful for that, you know, because I really wouldn't want to self-publish my own book because there, well, there, there's pros and cons to self-publishing and then publishing your book. And I would tell anybody that a publisher is better for me and it may be better for you but, you know, I'm not, you know, telling anybody not to self-publish if that's what you want to do. But at this particular time, not to say maybe one day I might want to self-publish, but right now starting off, I appreciate being um, handled by a publisher. Right, because, you know, it, everybody makes their own decision and, and what works for them because it depends on what your circumstances are. You know, you might need to have someone do all the you know, mostly the publishing for you, and then you might be able to put yourself in a position where you could do it for yourself. Right. And, you know, some people drop off the publishers and go on to, once they understand how it works, and go on into 
self-publishing their next projects, you know. So um, that's that's very good information that you're giving us, and I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I was hoping that we could get your publisher to come in with us and do a little bit of, of talking with us about what she does. So if you can contact her and have her call in, we'll still be here for another hour. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you can stay on and listen into the show so that we can continue talking and learning more about each other and what uh, other things we can do. Um, and I do appreciate you coming in and talking with us, Gail. I wish you a lot of good luck with your books and Please be sure to, you know, let me know what your projects are so I can help you promote it. There's a lot of things I have coming up that's going to be helpful to you as far as, like, getting all that information out. And we're all about networking. Did you want to share one more thing about your website or anything with us before you um, go? Sure. Um, I can be reached at myspace.com, delicious books, or um, I can. All, I have two websites. Um, one is um, myspace.com delicious books. The other one is myspace.com Tina Diva. Uh, and I also have a web page which is um, Gail Delicious Johnson uh, dot com Webly. No, Gail Delicious Johnson dot Webly dot com. And uh, if you want to purchase my book, you can hit the PayPal button on my delicious page. My book is fourteen dollars, and uh, like I said, it's, it is available. It also can be available through Chocolate Coffee Books Bookstore. My publisher also has a bookstore online. Wow! Or Amazon.com is also available. Amazon.com as well. So when you go back into the chat room, would you do me a favor and put more information or your other links? I did put a couple of things in there sure. for you. Um, but if you have any other ones, like your my, your um, your regular website page, maybe an email address, anything that you care to share with the rest of the listeners, and I'd appreciate if you put that in there. Okay, I most definitely will. Okay, and I'm going to drop you off the line, and um, we're going to bring in um, – uh, another guest, but before that, we're going to have a very short break. I'm going to play a really nice um, song. Um, it's called uh, Fly Away, which is, to me, a great song for the topic of the day because, you know, if you if you stay standing still, you're never going to reach your goals and desires. But if you fly away, you can actually reach places you've never dreamed that you could reach and, and, and succeed with all your goals. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. And thank you so much again, Gail, for um, being with us today. You're welcome.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. And this is, if you are just coming in, Mingles on Network Radio, and we're talking about uh, black people coming together for business and career success. And we're focusing on uh, authors and publishers to help those out there who are still trying to figure out, you know, what they can do to create themselves a better and alternative career. And our writers are here to give us more information so that we can be able to, you know, um, have ideas. And our authors, I mean our publishers as well. And I'm going to bring on the phone Shalona. One of my very favorite authors, and she is going to tell us more about what she does and how we can get some help with our publishing. Welcome, Shalona. How you doing? Glad uh, you had me on the show. Um, I'm Shalona. I'm a single mother of three teenagers. I'm the owner of uh, Stonewall Fire Publishing and also the author of Diary of a Sex Addict, based on a true story which was released in uh, January of 2009. And um, basically, um, as you said, I want to let everyone know, um, I've been listening to the show since four. I've been in the chat rooms also. And um, as far as, you know, I'm, I am a self-publisher, and I do want people to know, I mean, self-publishing isn't for everybody because it is a lot of work. And I chose to self-publish because I wanted to get, you know, wanted to write what I wanted to write, but also, you know, do quality work for um, my readers as well. I wrote poetry um, and short stories under the pseudonym Shay Love for years and years. So a lot of people know me by Shay Love the Poet, but Diary of a Sex Addict was my first book. And I originally started writing the um, empowerment book. Um, and in writing that, you know, I came across a, a female sex addict and talking to her, it was like, wow, you know, you hear about men sex addicts, but you don't, I never really had a, the opportunity of talking to a sex addict, you know, and, you know, any time it's a female, so pretty much, you know, I ended up writing her story within a couple of days, and um, uh, within a week and a half, I took notes for three days, a week and a half, I had a finished product, and... I mean, it went from there. Wow. So you just, you know, just put your pen to paper and you just started working on it and just, you know, got writing. started. Uh-huh. Now, for those who who is not so easy to get started, you know, can you kind of tell us what type of things inspired you to start on the first project that you did complete? Um, I pretty much... Well, basically what it was is, you know, of course I didn't have any money to, you know, start a publishing company, I, but I did have a computer. I'm a full-time college student as well. So I said, well, let me use what resources I have. I started researching, and um, I purchased, you know, of course, a website uh, hosting, and, you know, which wasn't much, and had a website built and then start researching, you know, got a, a DBA and just started my company and went from there. And um, as far as writing, I wanted, I, you know, I had just something that was an interest I've always had in writing, but uh, during the time that I was writing, I was going through a lot. And I had people telling me, well, you know, laughing at me, saying, oh, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. And so that was, to me, was motivation. So I just started to write. I just started to write. 
And, you know, when I finished my product and after everyone saw it, they were like, wow, you know, and basically, you know, it, it is based on the true story. And, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, you wrote this? Well, you, I mean, no one ever really knew. I mean, people who knew me never really read my writing, just the people on the Internet, people in, you know, different places, you know, that I would write for, but no one ever really knew that I could even write. Now, did you have other people that were, like, you know, supportive of your of your style that you chose to write? Um, yeah, my mother was very supportive. She's always been supportive um, of my writing. And, um, you know, I had my assistant, but basically that was pretty much it. And <laughs> everyone else was just like, yeah, whatever. So, I mean, I took it from there. And when I finished, you know, my mother, she's 73. She's real sick, you know, now. And um, to show her that product and let her see it, you know, even though that she's not in the best of health, you know, it was something that made her proud, but also something she knew that I could always do because uh, she's a writer herself. So um, it's like, you know, it was really what other people thought didn't matter to me. You know, God is someone who I always, you know, pleased. So, you know, everyone else didn't matter. Wow. So now, um, talk about your first project. You know, let's let's know some more about that. Um, Diary of a Sex Addict is based on a true story. Uh, I changed the name of the character, you know, for her protection because I didn't want to, you know, she was giving me the story, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, but it it go it starts off at uh, her story at the age of seven years old, and. The story really touched me because at seven years old, when I think back of the things that I was doing, I was playing, I was doing street races, and just doing things that normal kids do. But she didn't do that on the other hand. Um, She um, got introduced to uh, porn and other things through another little kid. He was like three years older than she was. Um, And, you know, from there, you know, he showed her, you know, how to do like certain sexual things, and then she had to get this, what she called this good feeling. And so it started off by her being so young, and it escalated, then she would do things, you know, in private that people didn't know about. Then that led her to the Internet, to meeting men off the Internet. Um, And the men on the Internet were 20, 30 years old, and she as a child, you know, 13, 14, or 15, 16 years old, and she's, um, you know, on the Internet, they know her age, but yet and still they agree, okay, well, to meet with her. And, you know, at the age of 16, she lost her virginity. And, you know, in the book she tells people, well, she always thought that losing her virginity would be something that was, you know, that would be, you know, something she would be able to look forward to, something to be really great. She just had certain ways that how it should have been, but... She lost her virginity to a stranger off the Internet. She didn't even know. She didn't even know his name, you know, except his first name. And um, the way it happened, you know, it's so detailed in the book. You know, it's sad, and uh, she battled a lot with, you know, she went to church a lot because her mother and her family is real religious. And it's like um, she battled with a lot of things, the lack of love from her mother, um, when she, especially when she uh, married. When she was in the seventh grade, uh, her mother got married, and, then the stepfather, you know, he changed. She had to deal with him and, you know, the evil things that he did. And 
So it's like she was dealing with a lot and the love that she had originally from her mother she lost. So that sent her on a downward spiral also and she just started doing all types of things. So, um, you know, through it all, you know, it's, this is just part one. Of course, I'm working on part two because there was so much that I couldn't really put it into one book. But, um, I mean, pretty much she's just, you know, she goes through a lot in this story. It's a story that, you know, will touch you spiritually, emotionally, uh, mentally, and, you know, also sexually. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that, you know, in this book. Now, um, when you when you came up with that book, did you start off, you know, just writing maybe some poetry that led you to wanting to do a complete story? Did you ever try to reach into those emotions by, you know, just addressing it through poetry first and then starting into the full novel? Uh, actually, before I met her, I had wrote, written a lot of poems, and one of the poems that I, I had started writing well, actually was a uh, book of short stories called Diary of a Sex Addict. So I went ahead and used that title. And um, I started writing that. And the character, when I did uh, Tiffany's character, you know, I thought to myself, hey, well, I have to actually, the readers have to feel what Tiffany feels. So I had to actually become that character and express, you know, when I, I took notes and she told me how she felt and everything, I'm like, okay, I said it and I thought about it. And I put all the feelings and emotions that she told me into that. And I said, and, you know, actually took my time in doing that. And the thing is, when I started book off, it's like when you read the first chapter, which is on my blog talk page, it's like, you know, you wonder, well, well goodness, it, it, there's more. You know, a lot of people are like, there's more. But I put so much into that character so that they could really know it was. They could really know the things that she went through, even, you know, in church and, you know, different places that she was. So um, pretty much everything in the part two, that's also a poem that I uh, wrote, um, The Love That Saved Me, you know, part two of Diary of a Sex Addict. I mean, I've been writing poetry for years and thinking of titles, I'm like, oh, you know, I already have them here. So, you know, pretty much I just go ahead and I'm going to use those. And that was a very good um, process to take, too, because uh, um, a lot of times you don't realize exactly what you could do to get you started on, on writing something that could be so intense and, uh, you know, very direct to what your, your entire topic is. Now, do you ever come across any other things, any other experiences that you, you choose to write about or that you plan to write about? Yes. Um, I, I choose to write all types of genres, um, not just... Uh, non-fiction. I, was, I also want to write fiction. Um, I'm working on a couple projects now, and I have a couple more authors that I'll be introducing to my uh, publishing label, So On Fire Publishing. Uh, I didn't, when I started this label, I didn't even try to get signed with a major publisher. I didn't send in query letters. I didn't do any of that because that wasn't my goal. My goal is to build my company from the ground up. So pretty much that's what I've been doing, and it's been good, you know, and um, I have a 14-year-old. She's a writer. She writes also, and she writes beautifully, so she'll be writing a book, um, and it'll be for teenagers, and, I'll, you know, she'll be writing herself. I won't be, you know, having anything in it. Of course, I'll have it edited, but um, she's going to do it. I have another Arthur who I'll be introducing, and also uh, there's one more Arthur that I came across 
via mail because I sell books to the prisons also. And um, I found someone in there that's very talented, so I'll be introducing them too to the, uh, probably in 2010. No, 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 that's something I have wanted to talk to you about because uh, I don't hear too many people doing anything like that, and I want you to share more about that. You know what you do to help with the people in prison because we they, sometimes they are forgotten because they're behind bars, and then there's people who don't know anyone in particular in prison, so they basically do not have any ways of trying to help them, and they do need us to reach out to them so that when they do have their progress to come out, they know that they're they're not going to be, you know, pushed back behind those bars. So can you give us some more, you know, details about how you came about doing that? Um, well, uh, my mother had... 15 kids, she has 12 now because three of them have uh, passed away. But all of my brothers were incarcerated when I was younger except two of them. So all of them are in prison. So when I started marketing my books, prison was one of the places I sent each one of them a book. And from there, it, it spread. They started telling people about it. People learned about it on the outside. They called me. They, I mean, I sell books everywhere. But this one particular guy, he wrote me, and he said, no, God is good. He said, you're a blessing to us. And it's just the, the things that he wrote in his letter to me, and he was telling me he already had three books written already. And I know that he's, you know, how much time he has and everything. You know, I do my research. And it's like he... I know that he has quality to work, and he's going to do the work. He's going to produce, and he's really passionate about what he's talking about. But also, I feel that, you know, his talent shouldn't go unnoticed. I mean, I want to be able to put it out there, put his work out there, because he is a good author. And he's been in there. I mean, he writes, and it's something that he I know that he wants to do, and I've never heard of anyone ever publishing a prison. Maybe they have. I don't know, but I haven't ever heard about it. So I want to give him a chance as well as others a chance. So when you do step on the outside, you'll have something to look forward to and something, you know, that you're passionate about so you don't have to go back to doing other things. That's true because, uh, you know, there I, I've known a few people. I've had a few relatives that are imprisoned, and, and there's like a, you know, something that really is terrible that happens to them. They're like shut off from the world. And uh, of course, my one of my relatives um, was uh, imprisoned for eight years, and um, because of someone's false uh, statement against him, and he didn't have the support that he should have had as far as the legal support, because you know there wasn't much there to have, and uh, he didn't have the money. And like when you don't have the money, it's kind of like you you already know what's going to happen. So he actually did not get a good trial, and ended up spending eight years of his life in prison. And because he had an, a very, uh, I don't know what how to even call this judge. She was really intent on just locking a, a black man up, and she just didn't want to hear anything from the lawyer. She even tried to like, uh, you know, keep the 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 jury from making their decision because they were kind of stumped. They didn't have enough to make a decision. They didn't give him the full sentence they wanted to give him, which would have been about forty years. And then eight years later, a, another judge just happened to be going through paperwork and saw that they didn't have enough information and evidence to keep this man in jail and just let him out, just like that, and got rid of his record. But do you have to think about it, a lot of brothers and sisters that go through those type of things, and they are just thrown out there in the street. 
and then I mean, like their life is gone, and they have to try to start all over again. So now we're going to do another show about that too, because I have two young ladies that actually were imprisoned. Um, uh, you know, I don't not don't know the details yet, but um, they are twin sisters, and they were both in jail at about the same time. And then they came out, and they wrote a book about their experiences. So they'll be on the show later, and they actually just got a management contract. So sometimes you do have to go through these different types of, of experiences that will, you know, just get you to thinking about things more and and being a like a a tool for other people. So I'm glad that you do participate in doing those things to help, you know, others. Now, for other projects you you have, how does one reach you in order to get the help from you as far as like, uh, you know, writing their books and and having your support? Okay, uh, my assistant's writing it in the chat room. Uh, should uh, be my publishing site, which is soulonfirepublishing.com, and also. Uh, they can get me through my MySpace page, which is myspace.com forward slash soul on fire publishing. Okay. Now, um, you got that information in the chat room for our chat room guests as well? Yes. Okay. Now, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us, Shalona. Do you have any other books that uh, that we should look out for? Uh, part two will be out uh, later this year for Diary of a Sex Addict 2. Part one is really hot. It's, it's selling really well. Um, and also, Everything That Looks Good Isn't Always Good will be out in 2010. So, um, okay, great. All right, so then we're going to yeah, have that. On Amazon. On Amazon? Oh, good. Yeah, on Amazon well, and my websites, and also soon they'll be in Barnes & Noble. Well, what I'd like to tell you is that I'm going to be putting together a really nice promotional site for um, uh, my guests on the radio as well as um, people that I know that are authors and publishers and music artists. And um, I'm going to send the information out to you to make sure that you have the opportunity to be a part of it um, because it's going to really help you get you know, a, a wider audience. So, um, I think the Internet is a great thing to be able to reach people because uh, it's available 24/7, and even if you know you don't have a big commercial out on TV or the mainstream radio, people always have access to you online, and not just in MySpace, but you know you need to get the help to get you all over the place on the internet. It's millions and millions of people that come on there, and you know if, if one word that we can offer to help you will get you some more you know uh, readers, we'll we, we'll be happy to provide that for you. So stay in touch, and um, I'll. Keep Keep you updated with all the information. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Shalona. Hope you do. Well, thank you stay, for having um, me. No problem. And you please stay with us in the chat room so you can continue to listen and learn. Uh, we have another guest on the line, and I believe it's my um, my friend, the publisher from uh, I believe Chocolate Books. Is that you, Mimi, on the line? That's me. Hi. How are you? Hi, Hi. Mimi. How you doing? Hi. I'm fine. I'm sorry. I'm a little late. But I heard a lot and I learned a lot, so you're never really late. You're always right on time, right? <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> How are you today? So, um, I'm doing good, and um, I'm glad to have you on board so that you can help us share a lot of information, you know, with our our listeners. Um, can you tell us more about your your publication um, company, where you and how do you help people in regards to publishing their work? Okay. Um. Well, I first started publishing in 2007. Um, I started 
an inspirational publishing company called Candelise Publishing. And originally I started to publish my own works. Um, I was on a mission to raise awareness as well as funds for my granddaughter Candace, who was born with a rare facial uh, skin disorder called giant congenital nevus. And I had originally um, published online, one of the online sites, and you know they don't really teach you a lot. They give you the tools, and you, at least at the time that I did it, uh, there wasn't any editors, there wasn't any real guidance. And my first book came out um, okay, but by today's standards and learning what I know now, it really was a disaster. <laughs> it sold quite a few copies only because I had the support of my MySpace friends and family, neighbors, and such as that. And I did reach my goal. However, what I learned in the process was that you definitely need an editor. You definitely need two or three sets of eyes to look behind your own work because you can't catch your own mistakes many times. Um, I, I I will just say that um, I did eventually publish another book called Embracing Candace under my my own publishing company, Candelise Publishing, and that that book went to Amazon and worldwide distribution, and it did very very well. And in the process, I had um, people coming to me who wanted to get published, and believe me, I didn't have a goal at the time to publish other people. So it was a, a learning process, and it was something that I believe God had in store for me. And I decided, you know what, why not? So I took it. I had one wonderful woman named um, Deborah Griffin. She was a cancer survivor three times over. And when I met her, she sent me her manuscript. I cried throughout the reading. It was inspirational. It was absolutely a survivor story, and it touched my heart in such a way that I knew this was what I was supposed to be doing. So Deborah had told me how she had peddled her manuscript to all these big-time publishers, and they all sent her rejection letters and how dejected she was. And plus, she didn't have the funds to, to – one publisher actually told her, if you pay us $6,000, We'll publish your book for you. <laughs> and so she was like, Mimi, I can't. <laughs> yeah, she says, I, I can't do that. You know, just to get a, a Simon & Schuster label or, or any of the other big-time publishers on her book wasn't worth it. And she didn't have the funds anyway. So I said, you know what, Deborah? I'm a baby in this business, but I will do whatever I can to help you. And that's how it started. Deborah was my first author. God bless her. She passed away just a few months ago. She had a fourth battle, and, and, she, and she lost, and, and God took her to heaven. And I believe that she is um, living happy now and, and without pain and no suffering. So Deborah was my first, and then I had um, a wonderful gentleman come to me, and he had a manuscript. He was a 25-year heroin and cocaine addict and now in recovery for more than 20 years. He was also in gangs in Spanish Harlem, New York. And the life he lived was absolutely amazing. It's stuff that you see in the movies. So when I read his manuscript, it needed a lot of work. But I was willing to put in that too for him. So I guess what I'm saying is um, with my first publishing adventure, I decided to help people get published because I know, I knew what it was like, my ordeal with, 
I almost called their name, but that online site <laughs> that I use, and <laughs> and I, I I never really did the whole rejection thing. I never really peddled my book around. Um, so I don't really know what that feels like, but I heard enough horror stories. I have another woman who uh, her daughter was in a car accident, and she became a quadriplegic at the age of 21. And her story was basically a journal that she kept during the two years after this um, young woman um, was in her accident and what her life was like and how she grew and changed and touched the lives of so many, many, many people. And so when the young woman passed away, um, Rebecca wanted to publish the diary and tell um, her daughter's story. And so she huh, she met this unscrupulous publisher online who told her, oh, I'll publish it for you for $10,000. He says, and you're going to have to buy 10,000 copies of your book. So here we are, seven years later, she has 18,000 copies of her book sitting in a closet in her house with no way of selling them. So she got a hold of me, and I got her introduced to a couple of people who gave her some publicity and tried to help her um, market and promote her book and just basically get her daughter's story out there. So what I do for my inspirational authors, I now do for my um, um, uh, erotic and adult genre authors. I had people come to me and saying, well, I know you're an inspirational, motivational, self-help author and publisher, but do you do erotica? And I had to laugh <laughs> because I'm a, I was an erotic writer on the down low. You know, there was a lot of people who didn't know <laughs> that I wrote erotic poetry. And so I, <laughs> I started off on myspace.com um, slash Mimi36912778. And I have, like, almost 5,000 friends and, and, and followers, readers, you know, all kinds of people who were supportive of me and my, my mission with my granddaughter. And they all knew me as Inspirational Mimi. I would share stories in my blogs about my life, you know, growing up with an alcoholic father and, you know, how my brother and his wife and three baby girls were killed in a house fire and how... My life totally spiraled out of control, and I became an active alcoholic. And I drank on a daily basis, and I just felt like, you know what? My brother's gone. The babies are gone. I have something to live for. So I really was on a self-destruct mission. I wrote all of that in my blog. So people were reading, and people were like, wow, you're amazing. How do you, um, how do you live through all that? I said, you know what? It takes faith and perseverance and I, I, without realizing it, I was helping a lot of people. So um, the inspirational part of my life, um, it's, it's, it's really who I am. You know, I'm, I'm on to basically do whatever I can to reach my hand out and help other people. With publishing, what I found is I had people coming with their um, adult genre literature and they wanted to get published and what I found was their manuscripts were not in the best condition when I got them. And rather than turn them away and get them even more dejected than they were already, I would have people edit for them and then I would do the final edits and then um, I would give them very reasonable rates. I mean, even lower than the competitors. So I think a lot of people come in, and I think it helps them because it gives them encouragement, number one. 
It makes them feel like, yeah, my story, I do have a story to tell, and I am a great writer. I just don't know where to go with it. So I do give them literary coaching if they if they request it. Um, we do have editors. I, I know Gail was on a little bit ago, and I love Gail because she listened. She's so open-minded, so willing to learn, and so I, I gave her some free literary coaching, and it was it's wonderful to be able to pass on what I've learned to other people. And um, so I offer editing services, proofreading. I offer, we do video book trailers. We do marketing and promotion that's basically limited to the Internet, various websites and social networking. Um, I also have my authors read the contract very carefully, which is another thing. A lot of people don't read the bottom line or maybe they just read the bottom line and they don't read the rest. But it's important that anyone listening, you learn from other people's mistakes, okay? My friend Rebecca, very, very hard lesson. She's stuck with 18,000 books seven years later. It's so sad. Um, and other people who go to these sites and they say, there's one site out there, again, I won't call their names, but they – they lock you in for seven years. Seven years you are held hostage to a publishing company. I think it's a travesty. So my authors are, yeah, isn't that horrible? My authors, I have them to sign a one-year contract. And after one year, if you want to spread your wings and fly away, I say more power to you. God bless you. Move on because that's what life is all about. I don't want anyone to be locked in, tied in, and limited as to what you can do with your book. No. So basically, in a nutshell, I have chocolate coffee books now. That's C-H-A-K-L-E-T-C-O-F-F-E-E books.com. And on my site, um, you'll see we have an editor. We have a graphic designer who's absolutely phenomenal. That's Dwayne Crockett. And his business is booming. And, you know, I partnered with him because he was right along with my mission. He understood that a lot of people who were being attracted to chocolate coffee books didn't have a whole lot of money to put out. They knew that they had a product. They wanted to get it to market. They didn't know how to do it. Many of them didn't have book covers. So Dwayne works with them. He um, He's a wonderful designer, so he does book covers and he does the bookmarks, he does all the promo packages. And then they can take that and do what they have to do with it. I'm very proud of Gail. I'm very proud of Ivana Howells. I'm very proud of Enchantress. I have Mario Young. He's another young African-American author. He wanted to um, promote literacy in his community. And he had a story to tell. He said, Mimi, what I want to do is get people reading. I want men, many African-American men, his friends, his family, people he knew, didn't read. Oh, they play basketball, they play cards, they went dancing, parties, but they just didn't read. So he wanted to get them reading, and how he did it was just so awesome. He wrote a story which was mystical and magical about African-American men who started a, um, an organization which became very powerful. And he showed men that you can become equally as powerful if you just put your mind to it and do it. You think it and you, and you believe in yourself, 
and you can do anything. And we published the book. It's a series. So he published the first book to see how it would fly, and, girl, it is flying. And he's so happy. He's been on the radio down where he's living in North Carolina. He's um, he's just moving and grooving. I'm so proud of him. So that's Mario Young. And, um, you know, I have I have a gentleman. You may have heard of him. He's, his name is Jovan Roseborough. He actually was a drug dealer. He, he swung drugs to make a fast buck. He never used the drugs, which was interesting. But after a little while, he realized, wait a minute. He woke up. He had a, um, an awakening. And he realized, here I am selling drugs to my own young brothers and sisters. What am I doing? And so he created an audio tape. And his audio tape was powerful. And he sold 10,000 tapes out the truck of his car. At the time that I met him, he wanted me to help him market and promote it. And I encouraged him to put it in print and to put it in ebook, take it to the next level. And now, Mr. Javon Roseborough, he's speaking all over the country. He's, he does um, talks in schools, he does talks to teen groups, and he encourages children, and then he sells his books. So, when people think about doing a book, they should really seriously consider everything about it because writing the book usually is the easiest part. It's marketing, promoting, and what else you're going to do with that book. You know, um, I actually do book signings. I have a couple of my books in Borders. That's the one um, brick-and-mortar store that I have successfully gotten my books into. I have some local stores up near me in upstate New York that carries my books. And now recently I got my debut novel, The Rest Stop, Jeff and Janine, into some small bookstores in the village in New York. And I'm really happy and proud about that. What I tell my authors is don't be so um, discouraged if you don't get your books in Barnes & Noble. Big deal. There's so many other avenues. You can go to conventions. You can sell your books at bazaars. You can go to street fairs. You can have um, book signings in, the, in a diner. You can have them in a coffee shop. You can create book clubs. I mean, there's so many other ways to go with it. And I know I'm talking a lot, so I'll shut up now. <laughs> oh, no, you are a wealth of information. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of listeners will need that because, you know, not all the publishers give you all that information. They just slap a, a contract in your face. And they don't give you, an, you know, the the whole information that you really need. And there's a lot of other things to think about, you know, like the audience that you're trying to reach and mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, what you need to do to manage yourself while you wait for those sales to come in because it's not always instant, you know. So I think that what you're sharing with us is really great information, you know. Now, the, the other authors that you work with, um, um, did you already have them, like, you know, under your wing? Like, you know, like are they staying with you now? They feel more comfortable being with you as opposed to the other people that are probably coming after them? Well, you know what? That's an excellent question. Um, well, God bless Deborah. Deborah passed away, but she had two books that she was planning to do with Candelise Publishing. One, I'm, I still have her photographs and some of the stories, and I'm, I'm considering what to do with it. I will speak with her family to see if she wants me to move in, move on that. Um, let's 
the other one is Melissa R. Martin. She's doing her third book with Candelise Publishing now. So that's a beautiful thing. I think what Melissa likes about Candelise Publishing is the family atmosphere, is that I'm honest and I'm fair, that I am um, actually doing what I can to help her under the circumstances. I have even gone as far as to um, create a budget plan, and I had custom contracts to fit every budget. So if you came to me and said, Mimi, here's my manuscript, but I, I want to pay every two weeks like I, when I get paid, that's how I can pay you. I was doing that. And I did it for quite a few authors, and I knew there weren't any other publishers out there even willing to consider such a thing. But you know how sometimes one bad apple can ruin a whole bunch? Well, I did have one or two authors who were taking advantage so they made it hard for the rest of the um, for the rest of the uh, authors. So I scratched that, but you know, still I I do it on a case by case basis. So if someone comes to me and they have an incredible story, like I'm still very much into promoting and, and um, selling inspirational material. I, I just want to interject. One of my my favorite projects is called. Um, how to Jump from a Ferris Wheel and Land on Your Feet. It's a 10-volume inspirational series written by women for women. And what it is is um, we've been through hardships and adversities in our lives, and there are people out there who have incredible stories of um, just extreme adversity and how they were able to overcome it. And you know what? I said, let me see here. Let me publish a, a series of books where 10 women can share their stories. And these women come from all walks of life. You know, some of the women um, were born wealthy and had hardships, became alcoholics, drug addicts, lost it all. Some women were born poor, and today they are unstoppable. Some of them are millionaires. Some of them are um, school teachers. Some of them tell stories of extreme weight loss. Um, volume 4 is actually coming out in two weeks, um, and what I love about it is it's such a variety of stories, yet everyone can relate to the feelings of these women and what they went through. And uh, so I just want to invite right now anybody listening or if you know of anyone who's lived through some sort of extreme adversity in their lives, and they have a wonderful story to share where they can tell what, what it was like while they were going through it, and how they hit a rock bottom if they did. And then what did they do to climb up and out of it? And I would love to share your story in future volumes. And then, of course, along with that, to promote it even further, we are going to have the Ferris Wheel Tour, which will um, we'll go across the nation, city to city, and plan events. And the women who are closest to the particular city who are involved in First Wheel series can come and share their stories and empower other women, inspire them, and um, sell our books, sign and autograph them. It's just amazing. So those are some of the things that I'm doing. So the women who um, who sign with Candlelit Publishing as well as with Chocolate Coffee Books, unique opportunity to share a story in the Ferris Wheel series. And that's like just, um, I believe in anthologies. I'm the first one to say I've been in quite a few. I think it gives you a great opportunity to reach a wider audience. 
you know, because, say, I've been in a leadership anthology, I've been in um, poetic anthologies on a spiritual base, I've been in erotic anthologies, so we can reach all kinds of people, you know. Hello? Is that my phone? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm just so happy. I'm so blessed. You know, God has used me all these years to to carry out a, a mission and, a, and there's a message that I'm getting out there. And if I can help just one little struggling author, then I feel like my life is so worth it. You know, this publishing thing is, is so worth it. it. I built it from the ground up. I started really small with just me. And then I built a little team around me. And then I had um, people coming and wanting to help and, it's just been an awesome, awesome journey, and it's not over. So. I, you know what? I, yeah, yeah. I want I want to say that anyone listening, if you want to start your own little publishing company, it is not as hard as you think. When I started mine in 2007, it was out of a need. Now I see all kind of publishing companies just popping up all around, and I am so happy to see that because it shows the big boys. And I don't want to keep saying Simon and Schuster. There are other ones out there, you know, Bantam Books, and and I can't think off the top of my head, but there are lots and lots of them out there that you know they kind of cornered the market for a minute because people thought that the only way to get your book out was through these big companies. And then the, the rejection letters just kept coming and coming. A lot of people threw their manuscripts aside and just gave up, and that's so sad. And and you don't have to do that today. I think that's the best part of these um, smaller in, mine's an independent publishing company. It's not a vanity press. It's an independent. And what I do is I offer services. I do have contracts. My contracts go for one year. If the um, client chooses to do a second book within the year. They get discounts on the second publishing deal. If they decide to stick with the company over that year, they resign, you know. And it's just been, that's how it's been going. It's been going pretty well. You know, and like with everything, there are some people who you can't please no matter what. So there was one, one, maybe two authors who thought their book was just going to fly off the shelves and money was going to fly into their pocket. And that just doesn't happen. That's not realistic. So um, after a little bit of coaching, I got him to finally get up off his off his butt and go out there and market yourself. You have to choose your target audience. You have to see who you're targeting your book to, and then you go after that market. And um, he started speaking in prisons. Hello, because that is where he spent a great deal of his time. So now you can give back. You can go to prison. You can speak to these people and get paid to do it and sell your book. And he started doing that, and he's he's much happier now. You know, um, I could go on and on, but I won't because I want to just interject one thing. There are publishers out here, God bless them, they want to charge for every little thing. When I first started, nobody wanted to tell me anything. I, I would ask published authors, and I and I think this is pretty, pretty sad, but it has to be spoken on. You know, if you're published and you're successful and you've been able to do some some of the things to get yourself out there, and your book is doing well, or your two or three or four books, why not give a little back? And don't be so stingy. Give back 
freely because it will come back to you tenfold. I've had clients come to me and say, I tried to find out from this author or that author, and nobody wants to tell me anything. Everybody's so hush-hush. Or they want to charge an arm and a leg to give up their knowledge. You know what I say to that? God is working through me. So if I want to give up and not get paid for it, that's my choice because I know down the line I'm going to be blessed. It's blessings, and I get blessed every single day. And that's kind of where I'm at with all of that. I think authors need to support one another and stop being so selfish when it comes to buying books. This is a pet peeve of mine. I don't know if you've ever noticed or if anyone has ever spoken on this with you before. This is actually the first time I'm speaking out on it, too. But honestly, if 15 authors come to me and say, my book just popped, buy it, please, and I buy, your 15, I buy 15 books. Now, when my author's books come out and my authors are going, hey, my book just popped and you never buy it, what is that saying? That's saying, you know what, all I was interested in is your friendship to buy my book. That's horrible. I think it's... um. It's selfish, it's, it's rude, and it's, and it's uncalled for. I think authors need to support one another. I think authors need to um, give up a little bit of what they've learned and, and, and realize that we all had to start somewhere. Some authors get so big that they forget where they came from. And I pray to God every single day that I never forget where I came from. That's really important. That's all I got to say. I'm off my soapbox now. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We enjoyed your time on your soapbox. (laughs) It's always good to have all the really in-depth information that we really need because there's a lot of people out there that actually want to, you know, become writers and they don't know how to get started. And it's not as hard as they think. It's just the hardest part is just making sure you had the right idea and just coming up with your story. Everything after that, you know, you just have to focus and have the right people in your corner, and then you could be, you know, successful. And you do have to stay focused while you're on that journey too, because some people, you know, their their heads get a little too big, or they come across writer's block. You know, anything can happen. You just have to make sure you have your backup plan and ways to get you, you know to reach those goals. You've always got more projects coming along. You don't want to, you know, blow it not being focused. And I appreciate you coming in, Mimi, and discussing with us all those avenues to to go about um, becoming authors and getting published. And, and, I, and I hope that, you know, you can still have all that information still in the chat room so that we'll be able to, um, you know, follow up with you. If um, Gail can put some more information in there for us, and um, what I'm going to do next is to give you some insight on a couple of resources for those who want to actually, you know, go into writing screenplays. That's some information that I came up um, up with. Um, but thanks again, Mimi, for being on the show. I want to thank and you I so hope- very much for having me. I appreciated it, and it was it was great talking with you. Thank you. Thank oh, no problem. Please come back again because we're gonna we'll do a show every week. You know. Okay, I just want to mention two things. If you have any children out there and you're interested in a different type of book for them, I have a wonderful book, my first children's book called My Name is Not Monkey Girl. 
and it's directly related to teaching our children about tolerance and compassion because I think children need to learn that before they get into school because what my granddaughter went through her first couple of years, it was it was really, it, it made me want to write this book. And it took over a year for the book to really build up steam, and now I do book signings. Now the book is selling in many different countries, and, you know, the book is doing very well. I just wanted to push that a little bit because I think um, – Children need to learn from our parents, from the parents, and a lot of times parents weren't taught when they were kids, and this book should help with that. And the other book I want to push real quick is my debut novel, The Rest Stop, Jeff and Janine. It's, um, it's out under Chocolate Coffee Books, and I'm proud of it, and I hope you guys will visit us on chocolatecoffeebooks.com, browse the bookstore. It's a discount web store. Pick up Gail's book, my book, Ivana's book, Mario's book. Pick them all up. <laughs> we need to support one another. And I thank you so much. God bless you. Have a happy Easter, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we had a little bit more tough difficulties with Blog Talk Radio, and I hope that everybody can still hear me. Uh, I had to call back in on my show, and that's ridiculous. We're going to have to really talk to them about um, the issues that we have during our shows. We were doing so well without any additional issues. So I'm glad everybody's still here in the chat room, and I want to thank you all for coming in, and we will be back again next week and talk about some more things um, in regards to uh, writing books and other alternatives for your own you know, business and things to do. And I'll keep in mind, I also have music show tonight if you want to come back to Mingle Zone Network for our cocktails. We're going to listen to some old jams from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and have a great time. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you being here. <laughs>